Good evening and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow the podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Tonight's episode is brought to you by the fine folks at Your Story, an independent comic book, graphic novel, and video games publisher based in Winnipeg. You can check out their ebooks available for $1.99 at yourstory.ca, as well as their 85 by 11 high-quality magazine-style comic books. Be sure to use one-time promo code JETS2020 to get 15% off your order. And be sure to stay tuned to hear more about their entire line of published works. On tonight's episode, we're going to be talking a bit about some of the trade buzz that is currently ongoing, as well as what that may mean for the Jets, because there was an interesting athletic article that talked about what the Jets might get in a line A trade with Carolina, and the proposed trade was actually not that bad. We also have a real living, breathing NHL trade to announce as well, which, uh, you know, some of you have probably already heard by now. It's not that exciting, but it is a little bit interesting to see some teams making moves early, especially to consolidate positions of need, uh, you know, because we're already in the off season in some respects. And of course, teams are going to be trying to address many holes, which I think the Jets are going to be one of those teams in the very near future. After that, we'll take a little bit of a, uh, a look at some of the stuff happening between the Dallas Stars and the Colorado Avalanche, and then close us out with the third part of our special series involving Winnipeg Jets' 10th overall prospect talk with Will Scouch. Our last two episodes featured conversations around Anton Lundell and Lucas Raymond, so be sure to check out those episodes if you missed them, and stay tuned for the interesting prospect that we discussed tonight, somebody who is a little bit of a polarizing figure. But to start us off this evening, I thought I'd talk about the trade rumors and the proposed trade that the Athletic came up with regarding Line A to the Carolina Hurricanes. I, I think right now Winnipeg Twitter is kind of in an uproar because there's not a whole lot else to talk about, and you know, as far as Jets news is concerned... We're basically waiting for the Dylan DeMello extension to, to be announced at some point in the near future. DeMello is exactly the kind of guy that I want them to definitely get under contract and, and get him really signed for a couple of seasons. I think that he's a great guy. I think that he's a very good defenseman. He's very clearly one of our best D already because there's not many alternatives, but he's also just good at what he does. He's a cerebral player who has very good positioning. He makes very good passes. His vision is nice. His skating is solid. He's just a really well-rounded two-way defenseman and somebody who fits exactly what Winnipeg needs right now. Aside from that, though, there's really not a whole lot of off-season news that's been circulating. So, of course, when Liney and Ehlers were mentioned by Frank Saravalli as potential trade targets on their trade bait list, that, of course, sent Winnipeg into an absolute frenzy. I know for my own take, I, I was pretty upset that either of these guys would really be available. Now, Ehlers is one that I think should be barring a, a really great offer, almost untouchable, because I think if he goes, the Jets' entire 5v5 offense is going to totally break. If you trade Nick, in my opinion, you're basically signaling that you want to rebuild again, because Ehlers is on a great value contract, he's an extraordinarily good transition player, and so much of what Winnipeg does at even strength kind of runs through him. So if he goes, I think the team just starts to go too. I, I think that that is less likely to happen. So, you know, in terms of trying to fill needs... If you look at Patrick Laine and what he brings, I actually think that he's showing a lot of progress as being a better two-way forward, but of course the on-ice results are still not there yet. And while his shot really is extraordinary, I could see why Winnipeg would consider him one of the odd men out. So the Athletics said that maybe you, you take a look at Carolina and you do a deal centered around Brett Pesci and Vincent Trocek, and this is a deal that I don't hate. Brett Pesci is somebody who I think is extraordinarily underrated as being a really good top four defenseman. 
very likely top pairing, but I think we'll just say top four to be on the safe side. He's kind of like DeMello in that he's very smart. He knows where he needs to be positionally. He seems to have very good reads. His passing is good. His edge work is good. He's just a really well-rounded defenseman, but he's also very capable of shutting down opponents. And that is something that Winnipeg doesn't really have many guys who can do that. They don't have puck-carrying defensemen who also have really strong shutdown acumen, and that's what Pesci would bring to this team. He's also young and in his prime, and the kind of guy who I don't think would be all that expensive in terms of like his contract cap hit and whatnot. He's uh, he's not a really big points-getting defenseman, and that's something that I think would benefit the Jets because you want guys who don't really score lots and lots of points, especially since those players tend to come with bigger cap hits. And usually with offensive defensemen who score a lot of points, I tend not to be a fan of their defensive work. Offense wins you games and, and really championships when you think about it, but by the same token, you also can't have guys who are only bringing value on one end of the ice, especially if their role is as a more defensive presence. And with how leaky Winnipeg's back end is, Pesci would be like an immediate upgrade in almost every capacity. Like he'd probably be better than Morrissey and DeMello. Trocek is kind of an interesting player. He's, you know, 27. He'll probably be 28 by the time that he'd arrive in Winnipeg. He's got a couple of years left on his deal. He's around four and a half to 4.75 million. You know, I, I don't really love Trocek. I think that he's a pretty good top six center, probably closer to more like a second liner or a third liner than, uh, you know, the, the first line center that we used to see back in the good old days. I don't think that he's a bad forward, but like as far as his really high-end offensive days are concerned, I think that his best days are probably closer to being behind them than they are ahead of him. And that's, you know, that's not a bad thing. I think that he'd be a very good middle six to top six player and really easily Winnipeg second line center. Although, you know, I, I don't know about his play driving ability and defensive awareness. Not really sure that he has those elements to his game. I think that he used to be really good at driving play, especially offensive, uh, you know, chance creation and whatnot. He definitely still has elements of those parts of his game to him now but I don't know if he's the kind of second line center that really gets me excited because I think that his age is not ideal and he doesn't have a whole lot of contract term on on his current deal so you know I think the biggest portion of the trade is going to be for Brett Pesci that's who you're probably targeting as one of your biggest things Trocek is not necessarily a toss like he's a great player but he's not the focal point I think that he would be a more transient player on this roster unless Winnipeg really likes him and he ends up putting on a really good show I just don't know if they would commit to a guy who's like 29 by the end of his current contract uh, you know somebody who's not really a high-end center like he used to be by then I think you'd be looking at whether or not David Gustafson or a potentially drafted player at 10th overall in this year's draft is ready to take over or even looking at somebody like Andrew Kopp or Janssen Harkins if he got converted to center I don't hate the trade. I think it's actually fair value in terms of what you would be getting in return for a line eight. But by the same token, I feel like the Jets are still not quite there as far as what I would want in return. I think that they could do a bit better and I would want to see a little bit more before I commit to a deal like that. In just a little bit, we'll talk about the actual trade that occurred today between Montreal and St. Louis and then check in on Dallas and Colorado. But before then, I thought you should hear a little bit about Built Bar's relaunch. If you aren't familiar with Built Bar, they're a protein bar that's more like a candy bar, coated in dark chocolate and with a soft, chewy interior. I got to try their earlier revision of their recipe uh, a couple of months ago, and I thought it was actually very good. I really 
like the raspberry flavor, and I also thought that mint brownie was pretty good too. When it comes to protein bars, I think flavor is one of the things that always gets overlooked, so Built Bar's focus on flavor was for me a very great thing to see. And it sounds like their mad scientists in the lab have come up with a couple additional great sounding flavors including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Usually I get suspicious when brands tell me about, you know, great tasting protein bars and whatnot, but Built Bar is one of the few that truly lives up to the reputation and hype. And what's even more shocking is just how good they are for you. Most of them are around 200 calories or less, with around 5 net carbs and around 15 to 20 grams of protein. They're low calorie, low sugar, high in protein, and high in fiber, so they're perfect for your keto diets as well as your weight maintenance or weight loss programs. Head on over to BuiltBar.com, and when you use promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get $10 off your next order. Again, that is promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your next order at BuiltBar.com. I also mentioned earlier in the show that I wanted to tell you a bit about Your Story Transmedia. Those of you who follow me on Twitter know that I am a bit of a comic book and anime geek, and I I tend to follow that culture a lot. You know, like my dad, I was big into comics and and action figures and stuff as a kid. But one thing that you don't always find is is comic books and media with a local focus. You know, from where I stand, I, I live in Baltimore, and we always have everyone talking about The Wire. But Baltimore has such a rich history, ripe for exploration in all sorts of media forms, whether it's music, comics, TV, movies, you name it. Baltimore has like a rich and diverse background to draw from. And so when I I heard and saw some of what your story is doing, I thought it was really cool to see a local independent startup doing comic books and graphic novels that have a distinctly local flavor and attachment to Winnipeg. They're currently launching an entire line of comic books, including their flagship comic, The River Nose, which is set in Winnipeg during the 1960s. It's a gritty detective noir story with a lot of supernatural mysteries and an overwhelming sense of dread. That is, until you catch sight of that familiar Portage and Main Crossing. And I really dig the black and white art style, which reminds me a little bit of Sin City. If you're looking for some more lighthearted hijinks, they also have a series called Through Space and Time and Stuff, which is a bit more of a a parody style on some of the classic sci-fi shows you're used to, and some other sci-fi series, including Eon and UFO Undercover. If you're into gaming, they're also going to be publishing Alien Machine Glow, which focuses on Old Man Gil, who ends up gaining the ability to see aliens after a meteorite lands in his cucumber patch. You can check out Alien Machine Glow and all of Your Story's other comic books at yearstory.ca, where you can purchase their ebook comics for $1.99 and purchase their low print run first edition comics, most of which only have 40 to 8 copies in each run. Don't delay, head on over to yearstory.ca, and if you place an order, be sure to use one time promo code JETS2020 to get 15% off your order. Welcome back to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets show. Thanks for hanging out with us. We are going to be taking a little bit of a look at some of the NHL action that's underway. But before then, I did want to talk about an actual trade that occurred earlier this afternoon between the Montreal Canadiens and the St. Louis Blues. Backup goalie Jake Allen has been sent to Montreal along with a 7th round pick in exchange for Montreal's 3rd round pick and a 7th round pick from this draft. And this trade is kind of interesting to me because Jake Allen, in my experience... Like, his career numbers are just kind of, eh, not so great, right? Over the past couple of months, and even maybe a calendar year or so, his performance has definitely improved, and I feel like in limited doses, especially as a backup, he can actually eat up a number of starts and give you, if not league average, probably better. The thing that I kind of, you know, had a little bit of trouble with is giving up a third-round pick in a draft that is this good, you know, and and really for an asset who I don't know if he really figures into the long-term plans. I know that they're trying to wait for a couple of their own goaltending prospects to essentially leave the pipeline and make a pro debut. So as far as like the the Habs are looking for depth players, I get it. 
I wouldn't say that like a third round pick in this year's draft is like extraordinarily expensive for a proven NHL goalie, but I also feel like Jake Allen's track record doesn't really let him be more than, for the most part, a backup to Carey Price, which I guess in Montreal's defense, that's one of the biggest things they're looking for right now because Carey Price is definitely getting older. He does have some injury concerns and he probably needs to be rested more often than he's getting. Allen will definitely do that, but I don't know about spending a third round pick on a guy who probably won't play more than like 30 to 35 games. While I I get that, you know, the third round pick has a very low chance of actually making the NHL, you could probably get a reasonably capable NHL backup from like the KHL or something on on a free at this point. But you know, it is what it is. We'll see what shakes out. Maybe Allen ends up being a stud for them and I get proven really silly and and maybe there's some sort of goalie whisperer in Montreal who can turn him into a regular starter and, and take over Carey Price's mantle as Carey starts to age out. Changing gears a bit and panning over to ongoing NHL action, we are kind of taking a bit of a live look into Colorado versus Dallas. And Colorado, you know, they clawed back a win in their last game to try and get the series a little bit closer. And, you know, they're still down a game 3-2 in the series, but they have a shot. And tonight they're actually looking like they're going to tie the series. They're currently up 3-1, and they've had some very important contributions from guys like Nikita Zadorov, Miko Rantanen, and surprisingly Michael Hutchinson in net, which, you know, for those of you who remember Michael when he was back here with the Jets, obviously none of us expected him to be playing NHL playoff games in the year 2020. But, you know, we're here, bubble playoff hockey is happening, and Hutchinson has actually been pretty okay. I think that he, you know, in a situation where you don't really have many NHL goalies available, you've got Frantos, and I don't know if they actually have anyone else signed. That might be it. It might be Hutchinson and Frantos with uh, Grubauer out with some kind of an injury that seems like it might be a little more serious. So Mike is coming in under pretty extreme, you know, pressure, generally speaking. Every game now is an elimination game for Colorado, but he's answered the call and he's been very sharp. I mean, this is for me, kind of surprising. I didn't expect him to be this good. His past couple of seasons haven't been fantastic, but certainly there's maybe a little bit more in the tank left in him, and maybe he can pull off some kind of a miracle run and keep this Colorado Avalanche team afloat. Unfortunately for the Avs, they also lost Connor Timmins and Gabriel Landeskog, and I don't know if either of those guys has actually returned, and that for Colorado going forward is going to be a serious issue. I mean, they're already down quite a few skaters and goalies as it is. They have a lot of dudes injured. This is just not really the kind of situation they want to be in, especially going against a team like Vegas in the next round if Vegas beats Vancouver. Colorado is definitely running out of steam and gas and and time, really, because I feel like they just don't have enough healthy skaters at this point to kind of make a deep run, but maybe they surprise us and maybe Michael Hutchinson puts on a clinic and keeps them just a little bit enough to get Nathan McKinnon going and saving this team. I'll tell you the end result of this game tomorrow, but before we close out this evening, I did want to welcome back Will Scouching, who has done some fantastic work regarding prospect analysis and tracking, so stay tuned to hear a little bit about Jack Quinn, who in some draft prospect rankings has been, you know, sentenced to Winnipeg. So I don't really know if that's a thing that I like personally, but I'll admit Quinn is kind of an unknown to me, relatively speaking, aside from just looking like a talented goal scorer. Will actually has like a, a good amount of tracking that he's done on him, and he'll give us a bit more insight into whether or not Jack is somebody who you'd be comfortable using a 10th overall pick on. Welcome back to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets show. Thank you all for joining us. As I mentioned earlier, we have our third and final piece of our brief little prospect look-in with Will Scouching, who does lots of tracking of uh, leagues you've probably never heard of and players you've also probably never heard of and can't pronounce. It's a uh, it's a genuine talent and a skill. We love having Will on. We've had him on before. 
not just for this series, but a couple of other prospect look-ins um, and some discussions and chats. And this year we are focusing on the 2020 draft, which is in October. It feels like it's a century away at this point, but it's actually just in a couple of, I guess a couple of weeks if we even, I don't think we actually know know the date. It's just sometime nebulously in the future. Uh, but I think it's October 5th. Oh, yeah. is it actually? Oh, it has a real date. Okay, so it's it's not I a made up thing. So. Oh wow! I I hope there's a date, or it's the ninth, or something. I don't know. It's sometime in the future, is all I know. That's basically <laughs> that's <laughs> yes. It's just how I look forward to things these days. Yes. But, Will, how are you doing this evening? I am doing well, Harrison. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. In our previous episodes, we talked about some interesting players like Anton Lundell and Lucas Raymond who, you know, they have some interesting skill sets, some of which are actually a little bit similar. And this third guy is actually the player that I don't know a whole lot about. I saw that for some reason he's been projected to go potentially 10th overall to the Jets. And uh, he's given me the pun Jack Quinnipeg, but I don't really know anything beyond him other than that he's, I believe, an American winger. Um, so we'll, what, what have you seen of this guy? Who is he? And what could he potentially bring to, like, the Jets as far as, uh, potentially being 10th overall. Yeah. Uh, it, it's fascinating. Like when you brought up the idea of Jack Quinn in, in, in this area, you know, it's something that I don't think I would personally be comfortable doing if I'm the uh, Winnipeg Jets at 10th. I, uh, w- but before we get to specifically why Jack Quinn, I think also is another one of these players who I think is a little bit misunderstood um, at least as a player at five on five, I, I look at, you know, one thing that I track is, is what I call offensive threat. So that's the sum of the player's individual high and medium danger shot attempts and the number of pass attempts that, that they make per 60 minutes that are aimed at the slot area or the medium danger areas of the ice. So the idea is basically how often is this player making a play that could lead, you know, more likely to be uh, end up in, sorry, how often are they doing something that is more likely to end up in a goal? And so with Jack Quinn, you know, you see how many goals he scored. I think he was over 50 this year. He had 52 in 62 games, you know, 37 assists. And for starters, I'm always a little bit wary of players who score a lot more than, than they, than they get in terms of assists. I, to me, that leads me to believe that this, these players can, you know, be too reliant on their shooting and not necessarily be good puck distributors or, or anything like that. And with Jack Quinn, I went in with that expectation and I do think that there is some of that to his game, but I was absolutely sort of blown away uh, to see that his actual dangerous passing rate is the third best of any player I've tracked this year. Uh, his offensive threat is fourth, but the path, the percentage of that, of that number that comes from his passing is 75%. So this is a guy who, when it comes to generating dangerous shot attempts himself, I'd say he's about middle of the pack uh, to a bit below average. On the power play, I mean, yeah, you can pass the puck to him anywhere on the ice and his shot is great, so he can just explode it into the back of the net if he wants. Um, But what I track is five-on-five play because that's the vast majority of time that an NHL game is played. Um, And so when I look at Jack Quinn, there are some things that I think are issues that I certainly wouldn't push for at 10th overall. For example, a big thing with him is his age. So 
he's born September 19th, 2001. That's less than a week from eligibility in last year's draft. If he were, say, a top 10 pick last year and had a season like he had this year, would you be over the moon with his progression? I don't know about top 10, but as a first round pick, I think it's perfectly reasonable to see a player like that evolve like this. You know, the, the, the good example that I keep going back to in my head is Nick Robertson, who is, I believe, eight days younger or sorry, eight days older than Jack Quinn went in the end of the second round and his goal per game output on a worse team than the Ottawa 67s was much higher than Jack Quinn's was. So if you're looking for a goal scorer, you know, is if Nick Robertson was a top 10 pick last year, are you as thrilled about him, you know, this year? Because him and Jack Quinn are kind of directly comparable. So, but when it comes to actually Jack Quinn playing hockey, the things that really kind of stick out to me is the, the sort of mislabeling him of him as a pure goal scorer. I, I look at the guys that he plays with. Uh, I can't remember the names off the top of my head, so forgive me. But they aren't necessarily high octane offensive players. Like Mitchell Holscher is one of them, if I'm mis- if I'm not mistaken. Um, so there's not a lot of guys at five on five who finish those plays. So to me, if he was a first line winger and had some more talented five-on-five finishing talent on his line, this is a guy that I think easily could be up near the sort of 100-point mark uh, for this season. And and I think that that's kind of where my surprise kind of comes from, from tracking him. But when I look at what he does on the ice, I think a lot of it is he's kind of like a miniature version of Seth Jarvis to me where Seth Jarvis is very primarily focused on offensive generation, but he's still a good transition player overall. Um, Whereas with Jack Quinn, I think that outside of the offensive zone, he leaves quite a lot to be desired. Uh, His defensive shot attempt against rate is, is 81st best out of the 90 some guys that I've tracked. Um, His dangerous shot attempt percentage is 76th. You know, he's, he's not necessarily a very effective defensive player from what I've seen. You know, you look at his data in transition, his ability to suppress defensive transitions when he doesn't have the puck is 70th, 70th best out of anyone I've tracked. You know, the, the, even in the offensive direction, he's involved in the fourth most offensive zone transitions per 60 of anyone I've tracked, which is a lot. Uh, but when you look at the ones that he does with control, he drops to ninth. So that's a pretty significant difference. And when you take all these things into consideration you know i'm when i'm looking at a top 10 pick i'm looking for something that has a little bit more diversity to his game than than someone like a jack quinn i I think that it's a little bit high for me i think that he could be a good complementary offensive player in the nhl but for me i look at his age being born in mid-september being very close to being eligible last year i don't i don't think his skating is particularly projectable if he were playing against men and still driving similar results with his skating being the way it is, I would be a little bit less hesitant, but this is a junior hockey player that to me doesn't generate a lot of power, you know, feels a little bit, you know, heavy on his feet. And these are things that can be worked on, but you also have to remember that this is a guy who likely has one more year of junior left in him. And then you ideally want to have him in the, in the AHL and you know, how far can his game come in a year when you have other guys in the similar range who are much younger and might have a little bit more on, on, on their, on their table that they can do right now than, than trying to hope that Jack Quinn can figure some other areas of the game out. He drives good results in some areas, 
but I question how projectable his game is. Um, but again, like similar to Anton Lindell, though, this is a guy who under a lot of pressure uh, can generate a lot of really dangerous passing out of nowhere. You, you, you don't think he, he's going to do something, uh, but then, you know, out of nowhere, he's putting pucks in front of the net and generating some chances for his line mates then. So I, I, he's a question, he's a big question mark to me. And I don't really think for me at 10th overall, I would be running up to the stage to draft someone that I consider a question mark. Um, but he's a no nonsense offensive player. And I think he would slot in on any NHL team, really. Um, it's just a matter of how much value he's going to bring once he gets to the NHL. And if the defensive shortcomings that I see are going to hold him back in terms of producing offensively. Yeah, I think uh, I think Winnipeg has certainly had its fill of, of talented wingers who do create offense, but have some issues going the other direction. We definitely have a number of players who have struggled with that in the past. So in some ways it actually fit in just well, you know, per- perfectly at this, at this stage of this team. But uh, as far as like a guy who, you know, theoretically, if, if there was like a realistic range of picks at 10th overall, and you had a choice of somebody over Jack Quinn, who's not Lundell or, or even in the crazy chance that it happens, Raymond, who would you be interested in maybe taking over uh, Jack Quinn instead? Well, it's funny. I mean, I have, in my view, I think there are 11 players that kind of have set themselves apart um, from the rest of the pack in this year's draft. And beyond that, it's a, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a blender. I mean, if Jake Sanderson is somehow available there, then sure. I, I would probably push to pull the trigger there, but I think that before then he's going to be gone. Um, so being realistic though, just the fact that there's 11 names on my list that I would really have as a group ahead of the rest of the pack in this year's draft, some of the, one of those guys is going to be available. And one of those guys to me is not Jake Sanderson. I, I think Sanderson's a perfectly good player, but I don't quite have him in that, in that level. Whereas to me, you know, I look at, you know, you're not going to get a Lafreniere or Byfield, you know, but if there's a universe where Marco Rossi is available at 10, that's a good universe to live in. If Mark, if Lucas Raymond is available at 10, that's a good universe to live in. You know, Tim Stutzel is going to be gone. I imagine Cole Perfetti, Jamie Drysdale will be gone. If Alexander Holtz is there, I, I don't see how that happens because he's such a good goal scorer. But if he is there, that could be an interesting one for the Jets. But like you just said, you have a lot of talented players who might not be so good defensively. I don't know how good of a change that is for Alexander Holtz. Uh, but it, you you wouldn't complain about him at 10. But the other names that come up to me that probably will be available at 10 that might be off the beaten path a little bit, I love Rodion Amirov. I think that player, you know, is is such a useful, could be such a useful tool for an NHL team, no matter where you use him. Um, one of the better players in transition that I've tracked all year, uh, Andy was playing in the KHL for most of the games that I tracked. The, the the shots that he was taking in the KHL, like I, I saw one game where he hit two posts and, you know, that would have made his production look a lot better. Uh, you know, he's great in the corners. I, I really, really love his ability to maintain possession along the boards, shake off defenders who play in the KHL. And yes, everyone can make jokes about defending in the KHL being not so good, but it is a very good hockey league. Um, and so he's already getting his reps against guys who have played with, NHL players or are former NHL players or what have you. 
Uh, and, and he's been showing pretty darn good results, especially as a transition player. And I think that you can never have too many of those guys on your team. Um, and, at, and at 10, it might surprise some people to see his name get called, but I would not be too mad. The other one probably would be like a Seth Jarvis, I think is sort of a Jack Quinn, but plus kind of profile. I think you could convince me much easier than a Jack Quinn at 10. Jarvis's defensive results were much better. Um, and I think that my eyeballs line up with that as well. And but beyond that, I mean, I think those are the guys that I push for. Jack Quinn, to me, if if it's 15th overall to 25th, that's the range where I think he could be, you know, reasonably valued. But yeah, I mean, he's not a bad hockey player. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to just, you know, bury this. The I don't want to bury him. But I think he's a good player, just not as well-rounded as some other players that I think in the top 10 or as impactful as other players at that 10th overall slot might be. And and the big one to me is Rodion Amirov. Seth Jarvis might be another one as well. Yeah, I think uh, when you when you look at what you want and the kind of pick value that 10th overall brings, you have to get somebody who, I know that in the past some teams have drafted projects at that level and those projects panned out, but I think for my my own personal stake in this, I'm thinking a guy who... In my opinion, you know, where you said 15th to 25th, I thought from all the rankings that I've seen previously, that was where most people had him. It seemed more sensible than trying to take somebody that high. You know, I have a, I have a feeling that somebody good is going to fall to Winnipeg because it seems to happen every year with this team. Like we get, I don't know, Vili Heinola, I think was 14th overall or something like that. And in a redraft, I don't know that he makes it out of the top 10. But, you know, there's a couple of guys who may end up falling to Winnipeg but I don't know October is only a few weeks away and we have a, a little bit of time to sit on our hands and and just kind of wait and see what shakes out yeah but, I'll say <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna do it for tonight's episode before we hop off Will did you want to tell us a little bit about some of your social media channels your Patreon or your YouTube any of that wonderful content that you've been putting out absolutely so you can follow me on Twitter that's sort of step one uh, but beyond that, I have a YouTube channel, youtube.com slash scouching, where I do reports on all these guys, um, putting out another one in a couple of couple of minutes. Um, but yeah, so that's those are the two main pillars. If you want to support me directly, you can go to Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash scouching. Uh, you can get access to a Discord server, uh, credits at the end of the videos, early access to videos, visualizations of all the data that I track. Uh, so it kind of makes it more easily digestible um and plenty of other stuff or there's a merchandise shop on teespring we call scouchware uh you can go check that out as well um but yeah uh youtube and twitter is probably the the best place to start and from there it's up to you (laughs) thank you so much will we really appreciate you having on oh anytime thank you very much Thanks so much for listening this evening. I hope you guys enjoyed tonight's episode. Before you log off, be sure to check out the Locked On National podcast hosted by Sarah Avampado. Have a great night and go Jets go.